What's going on, guys? Welcome to the latest episode of Can I Kick It? This is your host, Elliot Barr, and is joining me is the man that's familiar with the River City itself, but he's playing down in Charlotte, is Mr. Hugh Roberts. How you doing, my man? I'm good, my man. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Nah, no problem, yo. Like, I, I promise you that I had to bring you back on. You're the first repeat guest on the show, so it's a pleasure <laughs> to have you on, man. Hey, I always shout out REA, man. That's why I got to do it. So... Let me ask you this first before we get into all the questions and whatnot. How was your playing time in Richmond? Like, what made you want to leave? Because that's something that, you know, we all miss you up here. We want to know. Like, what made you want to leave, take that next step in your career? Richmond Richmond was dope, man. I'm actually very blessed in a lot of ways. And shout out Lee <laughs> Kalashaw, too. A lot of, I mean, I had a lot of, we bump heads a lot my first three years, of course, but like, nah, he groomed me in every way to the man I am today. Like, I really did not know the game of soccer until Lee, in his ways, yelling at me, got me right. But RVA, in terms of off the field and on the field, in terms of veteran guys, my first three years, I couldn't have been more blessed to have Luke Vercoloni, Asante, Owusu, Yambi, man. This man, Yambi, groomed me. That's why I'm here and being successful because Yambi taught me so much. Everything in a sense that I could have asked for, like that was perfect for me my first three years. The reason why I left though was, was never because of RBA. It's more so I wanted the opportunity to go to the MLS. I still haven't really gotten a preseason call up like that, but the reason why I joined the USL is really to, you know, reach that next level, ideally touch the major leagues one day. So I took that leap of faith kind of and taking the opportunity to go to the steel in hopes of, you know, maybe getting called up to the first team. Mm, okay. So like now you're I wouldn't say you're a veteran. You're you're kind of getting close to it. Low, you left yeah. Richmond as a young man, you know, kind of being a veteran now with the Charlotte Independence team. How is that? How is that going for you? How are you kind of looking at that role now? Yeah, it's been interesting. Um, my role definitely changed even from last year, my first year here in Charlotte to this year. My first year with a lot of veteran guys like Damaduro, Aaron Mound, um, other center backs from France, and so with a lot of veteran guys. Transitioning to this year now, we're kind of a younger team, and I'm one of the few veteran guys, so my roles changed, and not just on the field, but off the field, too. Going into my seventh year, I figured out, you know, I have a little platform for myself now. It's time to speak up and just say something. So off the field throughout quarantine, that kind of helped me notoriety-wise and just, like, speaking up in general and just saying something that all came to fruition being here my seventh year. So it's been good, though. It's been a, a smooth transition, and... These things happen for a reason, and now I'm not at a veteran status yet, yet. <laughs> it's coming. It's coming. <laughs> well, that's a perfect transition, man. You are, like, the pure definition of, like, LeBron's quote, like, more than an athlete. You know, everything you do off the field is – the plot is alone on it. It's amazing. Um, can you talk to us about what you're doing off the field with Backyard Footy and the Queen English Foundation? Yeah, so we partnered together, Queen's English Foundation. Queen's English Podcast is another podcast out here in Charlotte. I actually had them on my podcast for the cookout edition virtual part two, which I had like a bunch of local podcasters here in Charlotte on, on, on together on Zoom for an episode. So I had them on it for the first time, then they linked with me after. And I was like, hey, like, you know, we're from overseas. We love the mission and what you're doing. We would love to help out and support. And so with this whole movement going on, they reached out and was like, I know an apparel company would love to collab and, you know, create t-shirts and awareness for a foundation. No brainer. And I used my platform with the independence and, you know, reached out to people. We edited the t-shirt design, made it Charlotte specific, but um, we created this foundation and partnered with three local charities out here Two actually, sorry, block love, which 
feeds the homeless here in Charlotte and um, Creative Player Foundation, which is a soccer specific minority soccer foundation here in Charlotte. So I raised, you know, I did one check donation early in the year and now I just did my most recent and final. So what happened, I did collect all the money throughout GoFundMe throughout the season, collected 3K. We did a clothes and school supply drive, went to Walmart this past weekend, um, bought over $1,000 worth of, you know, winter clothes and school supplies. Also wrote a check for a K to Block Love and another check that's going to be given to Creative Player Foundation. I'm going to be given, and then I coach a U13 boys team here too, so all my parents uh, donated old kids clothes too, and they're going to go to local CMS schools here in Charlotte as well. So, you know, just using my platform has been amazing just having, you know, this really is, yes, it's me getting these things together. It's really the community. People have been dropping sleeping bags off, bags and bags of clothes and stuff, you know, coming behind me, reaching out to me, DMing me, how can I help? How can I give away clothes? And, you know, it's been awesome. And it just speaks to sometimes, you know, you think your platform's small, or whatever, but just saying something sometimes just gets the spark to get people going. Yeah, most definitely, man. I mean, even the outreach you have down in Charlotte has inspired, you know, people up here in Richmond and all over across America to try to do more, be more. Um, I, I want to ask you this question. Does being like an outspoken athlete, does this kind of scare you any kind of way? Do you feel like teams are going to be like, well, we don't want him on our team because he's too outspoken? Do you kind of feel that way? It, it's, it's in the back of my mind, 100 feet, like. I've had backlash here, even with what I'm doing with my foundation. Nothing's been smooth here. I've reached out to different foundations. Um, I'm not going to name any, but I've had some that reached out to me like, hey, we don't support Black Lives Matter. We don't want to show any of that on my websites, on our social media. So I had to take them off my foundation, um, my social medias and stuff. I've had other donors and clubs reach out like, we like the, your mission, what you're doing. We just can't get behind Black Lives Matter kind of thing. So maybe they watered it down to united against racism instead of black lives matter because they didn't want to stand with black lives matter so I've, I've dealt with that through my foundation so it's already in the back of my mind where you know i have to consider now going to a club that supports those issues and already is outspoken with their players or clubs now they're not really going to say it to me directly but in the back of their mind you know they might be like well he's a good player but we need to look elsewhere Hugh you know, gain some attention, you know, so via social media, we don't really stand for those kind of things. Like, I know that's going to play a role, but honestly, like, I'm not, I'm not even that worried about that. Like, end of the day, I know my, my talent's going to speak for itself. So if you want someone that's, you know, making playoffs seven out of eight years, that's going to speak for itself. I know at the end of the day, I'm doing this for a bigger mission, not really myself. So, and it's really just going to show you in the in sense that it's your insecurity is not really mine. So I'm just going to keep doing my mission and my calling and, What's meant to be is gonna happen. Yeah, most definitely. I, I really understand that, and I appreciate you for not allowing that to cripple the things that you want to do. Also, for listeners that might not know, I mean, if they listen to this podcast, they would know. You're also the head of, well, part of the head of the uh, USL Black Players Association. From the last time we talked, what has been going on with that organization? What are you guys looking to do? Things of that nature. When was that exactly? I'm just trying to think of the timeline. When was that like? Uh, I want to say maybe August, because it was August. right around when you guys first came out. Okay, so let's see. From there, um, we have a lot more partnerships and deals now. We're filing for a 5013C, which is a nonprofit organization, so we can start collecting money and funds. 
partnered with the Players Coalition, that's partnered with the NBA, MLB, and all the other major leagues who are under their umbrella. So we can start collecting funds with them and just other organizations as well. Have a website, we partnered with Black Arrow recently, um, highlighting, you know, black players throughout the league. Hopefully, ideally, and it's gonna happen, you know, that's gonna become more concrete where annually Black Arrow is doing stuff for black players throughout the league. We've um, had two meetings with the commissioner himself. The next one we're having is to implement more initiatives that we want enacted, but we've emailed him a list of initiatives that we want, and he supports it fully. They're creating an impact committee themselves that they're going to have formulate that we can get a hold of. And so um, with that committee and with us, we're going to be a link and be able to get things more going more concrete. So from there till now, it's been more of us gaining a lot of partners, like the MLS uh Black Players Coalition getting score behind us with Eddie Pope and uh, Gucci Anyebu and all them behind us, having Zoom meetings with them, um, getting more executives under us. We have seven directors underneath us, directors of communication, directors of social media, directors of, um, you know, just different things within this community in the city. Um, there's, seven of, there's seven of us total or sorry, 10 of us total, seven in the director's branch. So we've been expanding some. We're doing monthly webinars where we have, <clears throat> have different black influentials come and speak to the whole Black Players USL group. So we've had three episodes so far. It's every Monday, the first of the month. We have different black influential people. We had a financial advisor from Morgan Stanley come on and educate us as well. So we're doing different things. Sometimes you guys, of course, don't see everything on social media, but we're staying um, often in constant communication with them us within the whole black community within the USL. So just trying to keep amplifying this voice. And we have a, a big plans this off season going into the next year because next year is big for us and want to keep this momentum going. Yeah. I want to back up a little bit to the part you talked about uh, Black Arrow FC. I mean, the fact that you guys brought that to the forefront of USL has been great. Um, I know they just did an episode today with um, announcing um, DeMarcus Beasley his ownership of Fort Wayne uh, FC. What does it mean for you guys to see, like, not only a black media group such as Black Arrow kind of partner with USL, but allowing that group to almost highlight a lot of the black voice voices and players in the league? It was dope and it was needed. Um, I told we had a couple meetings with Aaron for him. Like, it's almost about time that we start getting this behind the scenes footage and, you know, insights to the black culture and what's been going on. I commend them from growing themselves <clears throat> over the years because that's what's been needed, this black culture. And, it's, and even with you guys too, I mean, I've seen how your podcast has grown from not just Richmond specific, but now black history in the game. Like that's such a unique and different channel that needs to be talked about. And, and so for them to reach out to the league, reach out to us and ask us what we want highlighted, which clubs and which players we want highlighted and that those kind of things. But also ask us what things we want implemented yearly now. And I think the game of the USL, I commend them for even reaching out and doing this and building this partnership because it's needed. And I hope, I really hope that this continues on and gets even stronger because the game of soccer needs this. Mm. So for your podcast itself, Back, Backyard Footy, for those who don't follow it, definitely follow it. It's a great podcast. Um, you had an interview, well, a small snippet, I would say, with league owner uh jake edwards you don't have to give away the whole podcast but can you kind of give us an insight of what you guys are going to be talking about on there yeah we uh i mean it's definitely everything from how he got started from taking over from the vp in 2013 to um, progressing on to this year and 
you know, currently, how it took over in 2015. We talk about um, this offseason, their plans going into next season in regards to a schedule. When are we going to start? We talk about the future of the league. We talk about the USL and the new USL BPA, our group. He asks in-depth questions. I ask him, you know, what's his thoughts on the racial environment in this country? I ask him um, other in-depth questions like what did, how did you guys deal with those issues in San Diego? How did you guys deal with the issues with the COVID um, championship game? You know, what happened with that? Why did you guys cancel the game? Why did you guys announce League One winner but not – a U.S. championship winner asked him all those questions, and he answered everything in depth. It's an it's over an hour conversation, and everything's in depth, and it's it's gonna be a great show. Oh wow! Oh yeah, I can't wait! Can't wait to listen to it. You might have to give me the link a little bit earlier before everyone else. I got you. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm about to check that out. I got you. <laughs> um, one of the other questions that we wanted to ask you was. When it came to USL and Corzell with COVID, um, the cap reported that they might be pushing the season back to May. As a footballer, how is that going to affect you? You know, trying to get readjusted. This is such a longer layoff time. How does that kind of affect all the guys in USL? It's tough. We don't we don't get paid like that. We don't get a lot of money, and I would say it's a very small percentage of guys are actually getting paid twelve month contracts. So. In the off-season, majority of us guys are either getting a job or just scrapping or moving home to save money and stuff. So now that, yes, I even had the commissioner on myself, and he said the season's probably going to get delayed yeah, a good amount of time too. So it's going to be even longer off-season. So it's like, do we get a job? We can't just focus on our craft. We can't just work out every single day that we're supposed to. And that's something that frustrates me too. And now I'm even thinking of, like, do I have to get a little part-time gig too? And I'm – an eight-year pro, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. it's something that we all have to consider now. And it's like, how do we juggle getting a job and working and balancing your fatigue, your diet, your appetite, you're not getting money? It's, it's, it's a lot. And so it's definitely going to be something that's going to impact us for a little while that's a longer off-season. But hopefully we all get through this. <laughs> yeah. That, I feel like we've been all saying that for, like, the past nine months. Like, hopefully we get through this. Like, I can't yeah, this to be <laughs> And I was trying to think of something. I was like, hopefully we can get through this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, you brought up another great point, man. Like, me coming into USL, I was thinking, like, it's like MLS, it's like other soccer leagues. You guys have 12-year contracts. That was, like, very naive, like, you know, first getting into it. But the more I've kind of understand and definitely talking to you and other players, like, it's not like that. So when it comes time for you guys to – pretty much decide, like, all right, look, I'm not going to have that big break in MLS like I want to. Does that decision stick around USL kind of become easier or harder because it's like, well, I'm not making a whole bunch of money here, but I really love the game of soccer? Yeah, I wouldn't – I would say it's more on the tougher side than easier side because as you get older, your family, you have girlfriends, you have life starts to hit you, you want to settle down a little bit. You have other peers, of course, that are making more money with their degrees, and you have a degree yourself too. Um, and the money, like I said, I, and like you said, too, a lot of guys are not on 12-month contracts. I've only been on one 12-month contract in my career, and that was when I was in Philly, and they're affiliated with the MLS team. Other than that, it's usually until the end of the, end of the season or, like, a 10-month contract. So that's typical. And so, you know, you just, you're really just trying to balance that. Um, it, it, it's not easy at all, you know, but when you're, when you're getting older – and you want to settle down a little bit and it's not really up to you. I think the toughest thing is that you don't control your own destiny. 
so you can do your thing and ball out in a year. I've even had this myself. Perfect example, Pittsburgh. I, they had 17 shutouts that year, the most ever, maybe second ever in USL history, balled out third in the league, had a good season myself, and they're just like, you know, you were just going with cheaper, younger options. No problem. I understand no hard feelings, but that's what the game is. Like, you can do well, and if it's a business, they're not interested anymore. Like, we're just an asset to the company. So you, you, you really – it gets frustrating for older guys. So some of them retire early because you don't want to – do you go through that BS kind of in the off season where you're just waiting around. They're just like, well, we got to see our budget. Usually conversations and contracts will happen until January, February because they wait so long right now and they take their sweet old time because they have money and we don't. And, you know, they end up not signing us until, you know, later in the year. And so – it's a whole whole different thing now. I'm getting to eight years now, but I know guys that are my age and older retiring because some guys just don't even want to deal with that stuff, uncertainty in the offseason. I don't either, you know? I saw I'm hoping for some security, but that's what we deal with as we get older. Yeah, and I'm, I'm pretty sure it's, it's going to be a lot more of players just saying, like, you know what? I've got through this year with COVID. I probably don't want to try it, see how the next year going to look. I'm just going right. to retire. and right. Yeah. And I mean, I can't fault any of you guys for that because, like you said, like you guys, it's, it's like you guys are getting older. You're like, all right, I'm ready to settle down. You know, definitely when your wife or your girlfriend is like, hey, look, <laughs> when we gonna have this kid, it's kind of like one of those things where it's like, all right, I, I got to choose which, which way I want to go with this. Um, just I just have like maybe two more questions too. Are we good on time with you, man? Yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. 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 Um, I want to ask you this question. Do you kind of if you can align yourself with any other pro athlete in the game, in soccer or in another sport, how would you say the platform that you're building with Backyard Footy is going to help other black players kind of feel like, well, if he can do it, I, I'm a, I feel more comfortable kind of coming out of my shell to have my own platform? I mean, I know he's the epitome of it all, but, I mean, I, I got to tell you about my man LeBron. I mean <laughs> – LeBron's been my idol since middle school. That's when he came into the league. And not it wasn't necessarily because off the field is on the field, you know, but then just watched him progress as a man. I mean, of course he's the the top, but in terms of a soccer icon within themselves, I mean, there's not not too many that I just can name name and think of at the top of my head that are actually like using a whole platform in like a LeBron sense of doing their thing. So for me it was more and I also played basketball my whole life too. So I was a big basketball fan and still am. So for me, it was more so of the LeBron aspect. And it's funny you even said that, too. I had a guy, a really close friend of mine in the league, just call me today saying, I want to start a podcast you. How can I reach out to you? Because yours has been doing all right. <laughs> so I've actually, actually been getting that a, a good a bit more now. And it's funny just how time progressed. But I look to him and, you know, not just with my podcast, but just speaking up in general, as I mentioned before, you know, just using your platform and just saying something sometimes just speaks volumes. And... I feel honored sometimes that dudes are reaching out because that's been my vision is to show black athletes like myself, but the black youth that, you know, really anything you can think of, especially with technology now, you can do. And if you keep your mind to it and stick with it, like over the time and years will start to grow and it'll be like a little seed that you just watch blossom kind of thing. And that's I definitely and that's been my vision for all of us athletes to start using our platform not just on the field but to expand ourselves for our post career because we're only playing for so long but we can all do something within the game that in our own little way can affect it so 
So I gotta ask this question, man. You said that you are a big basketball fan and you started off in basketball. How did you come into the game of soccer? Well, my dad's Jamaican. Um, he actually played at NC. Oh, well, that, that, that <laughs> but I was I was born in Queens. My mom's from Queens. My mom's whole size from Queens. So my mom played ball growing up and just loved ball. My dad loved soccer. So I had both worlds literally tied for me out of the womb. Um, I played soccer first to start when I was like, yeah, watching my dad my whole life, probably. As soon as I could walk, I played soccer. I didn't start playing ball until I was like 10, but I picked up basketball much faster. It's, it's, I say basketball is easier just because you use your hands a lot. And yeah. I was fast and athletic, had good footwork, and actually went to high school for basketball, got recruited there, did the whole AAU thing, traveling to Vegas, Florida, playing with NBA players and stuff like that, and then ended up deciding not to play basketball my senior year of high school and just focus on soccer. I didn't like my high school basketball coach as well. He was way too much. I just stuck with AAU and then I uh, went to college for soccer. Okay. So in a different world, there's a Hugh Roberts that's probably in the NBA right now playing in the bubble. Exactly. 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 <laughs> <laughs> were you like a guard or what were you? I was a guard. Uh, sometimes, sometimes I played point in AAU, but I was, I was more of like a 2-3. It's more of like a slasher. Okay. All right. So Carson wanted me to ask you this question. Um, who was in a game of pickup between you and uh, Victor Oladipo? I mean, I'm, I'm going to give it to him now a little bit. I, I know he's been in the league for some time now. But back then, we used to, I used to give him a run for his money. It used to be close games. I give it to him now a little bit. But just give me, like, three games and I'm back. My handle's going to be back. My form's going to be back. <laughs> it's, it's over from there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, look, if y'all do play, man, you – you got to set it up as pay-per-view, man. I guarantee people are going to buy it. Pretty special. Make sure y'all pay. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh, man. Well, Hugh, I thank you so much for um, taking the time to come onto the podcast, man. We support you guys out there in Charlotte, not only because my wife from there, but, you know, you always got a special place in our hearts, man. So anything we can do to help you guys, just let us know, man. Most definitely. When I come back to Richmond, we'll definitely link up. All right, man. Thank you so much once again, Hugh.